Whenever I do the podcast at the departure lounge at Heathrow, and I look around at the people talking with me, I see old friends, boyfriends, girlfriends. I see no messages of, of hate, only messages of love. And many a theory about the film, love, actually. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, I fucked it. No, that was good. Loud. I was so ready and to I say, to it is all around. And I was like, wait, no, the sentence is finished. <laughs> but it is all around. So welcome to this Christmas festive. <laughs> it's just the one love, actually. Uh, Christmas festive episode with Sparrow. Morning. Louis. Hello. And Ben. Julia. Hey. Oh, she's back for another episode. Yes. How uh, How's it been between... The I've seven, been a mess actually. The <laughs> oh, David! <laughs> oh, David! There's a lot, a lot of legs. Where the fuck is my fucking coat? So today we're going to be doing Richard Curtis's first film, directorial debut, which is Love Actually. Which that in itself is a big surprise, by the way, because anyone I've said that to thinks that it's for weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger writer than director. His- I think so. Historically, yeah. But Wait. then, who did Notting Hill? Well, he wrote it, and the director. We actually did this in the in that quiz I did the other oh, week, yeah. but I can't remember. Someone hasn't been listening to the episode. He's a he's well, a little podcast. <laughs> he's unusual because, like I say, he's he's more famous as a writer than yeah. as a director. So, if you, if someone says Richard Curtis. Notting Hill and Four Weddings are what jumped to mind. Yeah, yeah. he didn't direct, and this, and it says a well, lot that those films are known for their writer rather than their director. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose yeah. it's a testament to how good of a writer he is, don't you think, Julia? Yes, <laughs> but he's the only writer who would he's be. The more, he's the only bloody writer that would be famous for Will Shakespeare. F- Boom. No, Aaron Sorkin. He didn't have a director, <laughs> but mm. yes, quite done. Who? Sorry, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, no. fair, fair. Aaron Sorkin. No, no. Like who? I don't know who directed the Social Network. I know you guys obviously do, but David Fincher. Before we hey, get welcome in- to the Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most com- complex start to a podcast we've ever done. Before we get into actually love, um, what's everyone been watching? Um, actually, I wanted actually, actually Tom. Very good. Um, you've been telling me to watch this film for ages, and then I actually did oh, uh, yeah. at the weekend. Don John. Mm. He watched Don John. Oh, I watched Don it. John. I've watched it since the last episode as well. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Before Sunrise, which you... I have oh. seen that as well, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You're still channeling David. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. They got um, awards for porn too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just checking emails when I got awards for porn too. Oh, it's such um, a good film. Um, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. I yeah, loved right. the ending. I thought it was so moving. Oh, okay. Oh, you really liked it. That's I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's funny you should say that because there's a podcast episode. <laughs> It takes a really interesting turn, I found. Like mm. when you you what you think it's going to go one way, and it just veers off into some completely different direction. This guy with a with a serious porn addiction who can't kind of be close to anyone is just suddenly overnight saved by this kind of like guardian angel. And it really is overnight. And literally, the thing that she says is, 
you should wear your hair differently. And then he starts yeah. wearing his hair differently yeah. and his entire Done. personality changes. But I loved it still at yeah. the end when he does the little sum up of their relationship. Yeah. I just thought it was oh, really that nice. Was really it's well... not too sac- saccharine. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I watched uh, for the first time the other day, uh, The Breakfast Club. Oh, really? Really? I've never seen before. Love that film. Mm. It's one of those things I've always, you know, not got around to watching. Um, what, what did you make of it? It's always sold as this kind of, you know, this absolute classic of the eighties that, that has this huge cult following. And I can, I can see, I can see why it's just, I found it a little bit two dimensional, to be honest, a little bit, yeah, a little bit wooden. I mean, yeah, I can see that. I love the end shot with the hand when he's like, yeah, don't forget about me. Right. It is like, it is like painfully cheesy. Yeah, but painfully cheesy. When they, when they start like, dancing in the library and stuff. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. All I remember is the teacher is like, I heard a ruckus. I heard a ruckus. Bueller. Yeah. Um, I found it quite, yeah, like quite wooden two-dimensional block characters. Everyone just sort of like, oh, you've got the bad boy. You've got the job. And I guess that's the point that you're introduced to them like that. And they yeah. turn out to be different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if maybe it was bucking a stereotype that actually existed then. And maybe now feels, like watching it now feels a little bit forced god it feels like one of those movies that's going to get remade at some point soon oh, and it must have been turned into stage adaptation before has Pro- it probably it all takes place in like one location yeah. real time yeah it, it is it is really like obviously it's corny as hell and it is like a bit two-dimensional stuff but one thing mm. i've watched it a few times which always like kind of surprises me when i watch it is there's a bit where so there's five main characters one of them's the, the rebel criminal there's one bit where he gets taken into like a side room by the teacher and the teacher's like when oh, yeah. we get out of here I will beat the shit out of you <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's really dark it takes a very dark time yeah yeah and I, where that kid's I like I, bit, I nearly bit, shot myself yeah it's like really unnerving <laughs> <laughs> no it is genuinely it's just like, I'll kill you that's so odd that that would have you seen yeah. it Don? yeah 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 no, I've seen it I don't remember that scene weirdly sorry <laughs> years ago I I have no recollection, apart mm. from the ruckus. The ruckus. The ruckus. The only thing new that I've seen, or relatively new, is Maradona, the documentary film. Oh, yeah, that was meant to be really good. Ooh. Yeah, it was good. So I haven't seen... So the director's so, done Amy, Amy and yeah. Senna. Um, I've seen oh, Senna. That's, that's really good. Amy, I haven't seen. Uh, and Maradona was pretty good, because I don't know... All I know about Mar- all I knew about Maradona was the, the infamous Hand of God, yeah. which is where he scored in the World Cup with a handball, um, which kind of overshadows his rep I think because he basically was a really good footballer um, but he's if you don't know football he's just known for that one incident which was a foul but oh, um I didn't even know that have you, have you not heard of that the hand no, of God no. i never heard of the hand of God so it was no, really, really, really. Oh, really no anyway but anyway, it was good it's um he was an interesting character I I preferred Senna um Senna's an amazing mm. dog. Yeah, uh, Senna, Senna, no, Senna is awesome. Yeah, Senna's really good. Is that the race car? Yeah, yeah, yeah the race yeah, yeah, okay. You don't need to be into F one. Like, no, no, at I've all. heard it's really good. I, I, I think that's the thing about this director is in, even if you're not into that kind of subject matter. So like, I'm not really into football, mm. but Maradona's still a good film. Yeah. It's so impressive with those document directors. They actually just find the story and make yeah. some sort of tension around yeah. it. It's great. Nice. You saw Marriage Story recently. Yes. Ooh, I really want to see that. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Did you watch it in the cinema or, or no? Uh, I actually watched it in the cinema and then it came out on Netflix yeah. like the day after. I was like, cool, <laughs> yeah. that was fifteen pounds. I'll never see it again. Yeah. Um, is it really good? I think it is. It it's brilliant. Like I can't believe how long it goes on for and how dialogue heavy it is, and yet you're still enthralled. He's an incredible writer, and it's very funny as well. I mean, I cried and mm. laughed. You know, all that and stuff. Adam Driver might be up for best actor. Adam Driver that steals time. the show, but I. I don't know. I just can't help but thinking like the director only had like he had limited empathy for his female character for Scarlett Johansson's role. Like right. he did very well at the beginning. You felt like you were going to get this 
I don't know. Balanced view. Yeah, I thought it was going to go back and forth. Someone's got to be the enemy in a divorce. Well, she's not the enemy. No That's one's an enemy in a divorce. <laughs> she doesn't. He doesn't make her out to the enemy. He just. He just clearly understands the the man's story mm. over hers, mm. and so and I don't know whether it's Scarlett's. That she's quite, you were saying she's quite hard. It's like she, that's her. She's not very emotional when she yeah, yeah, gives I, a performance. So I, I think that as well. I feel like it's always probably quite hard when writing to create a perfectly balanced. If you're writing about a relationship, so if it's either a romance yeah. or a kind of breakup story or whatever, to to make perfect balance, that's really hard. Yeah, there's mm. going to be like a personal bias that you have. Yeah, whether it's, it's gender just... or experience or whatever or just like knowledge of one side more than other definitely it just sort of it set it up for the first 10 percent of it i don't know as something different and mm. then there were a few things that she does i don't know you just you can't help but kind of forget the bad things he does mm. i don't know the way that yeah. the writing goes but yeah i'd highly recommend it i still thought it was brilliant so one of my favorite musicals to bring out to theater for a sec is called the last five years anyone seen that no. It's a really interesting mm. musical and it's a song cycle, which basically means there's no spoken, it's just mu- just songs back to back. But the it's a true story of a five year long relationship and the guy starts at the end and the girl starts at the beginning. And it's like they each sing a song sort of going backwards and forwards in time. They meet in the middle, which is where they get engaged. And by the end of it, she's singing as they've just broken up and he's singing as they've just met each other right it's like memento that's so cool it's that's really cool. interesting and yeah. the point is it's meant to be balanced but but because the whole point is meant to be two very different perspectives playing with you know chronology and everything yeah. but interestingly the guy is an autobiographical thing so it, the guy was the guy in the relationship and he's writing about this marriage that he had and he ended up getting sued by his ex-wife because she thought it was a really, really one-sided <laughs> account of the relationship. But wow. I think no. When I watch it, I don't think it's one-sided at all. I think like they both look, you know, they yeah. just both look human. But it's it's obviously really hard to Get put yourself someone's. in someone else's head, mm. especially if it's based off your their personal experience. Yeah, you're gonna have yeah, such a different opinion. Yeah. Have um? Did you discuss Bond on the last one? A little bit. Yeah. Not not hugely. I suppose there's the new trailer, new trailer yeah. which looks like it's trying to tie up the last six movies in, yeah. in one movie. I'm a bit nervous about it. <laughs> like Spectre was trying to do that, yeah, and failed dismally. Um, I don't. It's a bit weird. It feels like he. It feels like he maybe should have finished last movie. Right. Like it doesn't like, feel like he should be in. It, they should have made another one with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that was the sort of the ending of all the death variants. Yeah, I feel like Spectre's just like a. It just was such a disappointment that he had to come back and make one more. Because <laughs> yeah. it was such a bad film. Yeah, I don't know. We're, like trailers are such a. They're, they're their own thing now, aren't they? Yeah. It's hard to. But tell. Phoebe Waller Bridge has, has written some of it, apparently. Yeah, I heard. Was, was it funnier then or something? There's definitely one or two bits of the trailer, the trailer. you can be like, yeah. Is she, everyone talking she about de- vaginas? De- <laughs> <laughs> this is a love story. Yeah. There's definitely <laughs> some opening scene. <laughs> yeah. Bond's like, this is a love Hair story. Hair is everything. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's looking down the camera being like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some bits where you can tell that she wrote it. Like you yeah. can just feel her tone through 
So I don't, I don't know. But I do feel like he's been talking about how he hates Bond and wants to leave for the past four. So every yeah. time did, there's a film, yeah. well, he, did, he, did, he did say that like I'd rather slit my wrist than do another Bond film. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and then he's like, hello. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As in like million. But I've always had a theory that that's like part of his character. Like he's been told to because you know how Daniel Craig's Bond is really like I'm done with this. I'm done with this, and he always gets dragged back in. Yeah, well, oh, okay, okay. Well, you think oh, that's yeah, such a good like, read of it. Yeah, yeah. some PR yeah. person is like, yeah, you just need to tell the you press that you hate this job. <laughs> I'm done with it, but M needs me. Yeah. Just pouting. You know, the start of the trailer, he's like on some random island somewhere, and it's just like every. I swear, yeah. every movie starts with him on yeah, some exactly. island, like with some random girl, and it's like, fuck, I've got to go back to England. That's Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know where Bond oh, stops and I yeah. Yeah. this is much more about therapy isn't it like, yeah. so I think I'm the only one here who's seen Knives Out I don't think yeah I really it. want to see that as well it's definitely changed my opinion of Daniel Craig because I thought he I've only ever seen him in Bond Layer Cake and Road to Perdition Girl, which, Girl with right. Dragon Tattoo oh and God yeah that's true actually I've always I've never known how versatile he is but in Knives Out he he plays this like southern american detective called ben benoit blanc mm. and he just like he he's basically like the heart of the film and he's so good like mm. totally changed my opinion of him actually made me want to see him more in other movies than bond interesting piece of trivia daniel craig for about i think it was like five to ten years was dating who in love actually hmm. um hmm. Hmm. um laura lilly no no not but good guess um, yeah i was gonna just put it this way con. she's uh she's not a good egg Oh, oh, what? The mistress? The devil? Yeah. The Mia, actual really. devil? Mia, yeah. Because I was watching it last night and I was like, she's not really been in much She's up. German, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. so I, I looked mm. her up and it was like, yeah, partnered with Daniel De- Daniel Craig for like, not Daniel Craig, Daniel <laughs> Craig for like 10 years. Do they have any kids or anything? Would they get married? I don't think so. I don't think That's so. That's so weird. I know. And that he's with... It uh, all connects. He's with Rachel Weisz, isn't he? Yes. Um, should we get into Love Actually? Yeah. Oh, actually, no. Should we play a game? Of... When, when two, two is a lie. <laughs> Julia's called it when two is a lie. But, but there was in, no explanation in, of that. In scared. the tone in the tone of um When two become one. When two Five become two one. Is okay, I'll, I'll start. So here's my quote. Your quote? It's <laughs> 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 like Jesus. So this is the first time we played this game because we tried to play it. Uh well, we will have tried to play it in the episode before this, because that's technically after this. That's just which too much. Which, we, which we've, we've cut it out anyway, so no, no one would ever know we've cut it out. But it's basically where all of us have chosen a film and we've brought three facts about that film. And one of those facts is true and the other two are lies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. everyone else has to guess what is true and what is a lie. So, Sparrow. Okay. So my film is um, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Wait, hang uh, on. Okay. Festive. Star, are we, Star Wars? Are we number... <laughs> we're number two. One. It's number three. It's number three. Three, three of the, orig- or, yeah, the originals. It's the- technically number Wait, six. A New Hope. Let's get into The Force it. Awakens. No, no, Louis. A New Hope. That's blasphemy. It's number one. A New, a new Hope. A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's what I said. And Return of the Jedi. You said The Force Awakens. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is def- I know that. You don't know this that. This is definitely uh, a joke. Raiders um, of the Lost Ark, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually love yeah actually okay okay um, so right. three facts the original title for the film was revenge of the jedi the film is a directorial debut the film was directed by george lucas george lucas definitely mm. didn't direct it yeah definitely i think the first one you said yeah, is revenge. the actual yeah that's right yeah because i feel like it, it makes sense because, de- because then the third prequel was called revenge of the sith they wouldn't give the third 
second, Do you third. Know David star. Lynch almost directed that movie. Apparently. He apparently <laughs> he got offered it and he said no. David Lynch, been, which would have been weird. I did actually know that. David Grinch, having, having researched it. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are right. Yeah, that, that's that's the true. Is that one. the true one? Yeah. So it nice. was, was going to wow. be called Revenge of the Jedi. Okay. Well done. Nice. Well so done. There, there we are. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay, mine is uh, Catch Me If You Can, which oh. does have a Christmas scene in it. Because it's like his entire life. So yep. <laughs> Christmas happened at some. Wrong clock is right. That's a good, good movie to choose. Okay. All right. These are my three facts. You ready? So number one. So it was filmed in 155 locations in just 55 days. Okay. Three locations a day. 155 locations in just 55 days. That can't be true. It could be like a different street. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. I don't think you're getting any clarity on that. <laughs> the real Fr- Frank Abagnale Jr. appears in the movie. That is... Th- and the third one... I think that's true. Spielberg's original choices for Frank... And Carl, who's so for Frank was Ewan McGregor, and Carl was Harrison Ford. Carl being Tom Hanks's character. Mm-hmm. I think Frank Abendale, Abendale, whatever his name is, is a, is actually in the film. I Abigail, think so yeah. too. I'm gonna go with that. That's the truth. Although they're all very good, you've done them very well. Yeah, yeah thank, good. thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. I don't know whether to take a punt or just go with the take a punt. Take a cute punt. I'm gonna say the first one's true. <laughs> Yeah. Take a little wee punt. I mean, yeah. what the most should we just spread ridiculous up, should, we, should we just spread our best and all say one? Yeah. Alright, I'll, I'll go with the last one. What's the last? Can you do the one more time? The Harrison Ford and Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. being you get the cop. You, you you're going to lose. You get the cop out. Okay, fine. All right. So they're all. They're, <laughs> I'll tell. I'll actually. So one of them is obviously true, and the other two are false. Yeah. But I will tell you the truth behind the lies as well. So the true mm-hmm. one, you're right, is the real Frank Abagnale Jr. does appear in the movie. Cameo. Yeah. Now for yeah, cameo for a bonus point. <laughs> What role does he play? It's actually quite he, an interesting. He plays a, like a law enforcement officer or like an FBI. Yeah. FBI. Yeah, sort of half, half right. He plays definitely plays someone in the government. He's not. The, he's not one joke, of the. He's it? not one of the cops uh, in the in the car with Carl. Like oh. shoot my tits off, guy. No. Not quite. Think to the Christmas scene, right? So in France. Huh? Okay, when... we're going back to Christmas. <laughs> so in Fra- I just in picked France. a Christmas film. I think. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so when Frank Leo DiCaprio's character is arrested, it's in this small town in France, right, where he's printing all the money, and he's arrested by the French police. The French police officer who arrests him is the real Frank <laughs> Abagnale Jr. That's a pretty yeah. cool cameo. That's a very cool yeah. cameo. It's like he's arresting himself. Anyway, the other two, uh, <laughs> it was filmed in 157 locations mm. in just 52 days, so even quicker. Bloody wow. hell. And Spielberg's original choices for Frank was Johnny Depp. Ah. And for Carl was John Gandolfini of Sopranos fame, which oh is a very God. weird choice. That is weird. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I chose Elf because it's festive. It's Christmas. Because <laughs> it's Christmas. Um, right. Jim Carrey was initially set to play Elf. The studio tried to shorten the burp by half. <laughs> Okay, that's a good piece of trivia. Will Ferrell used to work as a shopping mall elf. Ah, oh, they're three good. Oh, they're all very believable. I would go. F- I'd say Jim bird. Carrey was going to be elf. It feels like a Jim Carrey role. But Will Ferrell is so like, especially and then Jim Carrey did the Grinch. I can't remember which one came first. Will Ferrell would, I think would not Gr- be a second class. I think, I think the Grinch came first. Okay. Excuse me. So you think they tried to shorten this the burp? This is you just making <laughs> shit up. <laughs> so you think they tried to shorten the burp? Is I it, can imagine that'd be something that, is, that, that the happen. studio would do. They'd I haven't actually like, seen it. You haven't seen Elf? Mm-hmm. No. Um, wow. Go, go watch it right, right now. Yeah, you should see it. Well, we'll pause <laughs> this I'm podcast just, and go watch it right now. I'm going to say the... Right now. Right now. I'm going to say 
Will Ferrell used to work as an elf. Oh, we're hedging. Okay, I'm going to go for burp. I'm going to go for burp as well. Mm. No, you're all wrong. Oh, Jim no. Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey. <laughs> um, so I should have gone for Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was initially set to play elf. Will Ferrell used to work as a shopping mall Santa Claus. Obviously. Uh, and uh, the studio didn't get the... You know when he's in the mailroom and there's a guy who's like an alcoholic who buddies up with him? Yeah. And he looks about like 60 and he goes I'm 26 years old the studio tried to cut that joke because they were like he doesn't look 26 so why are you saying that and John Favreau had to be like yeah that's 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 the joke perfect very good there were three very good ones mine is Home Alone so my three are Joe Pesci purposefully avoided Macaulay Corklin on set to intimidate him so that their scenes would be more authentic Mm. when they had them Macaulay Corklin was paid one million dollars for his role don't believe that for the first one. For, yeah, this is Home Alone 1. Uh, and there is no CGI in the film. Hmm. I think the first one is the truth. Same. I think Joan Pesci was... Yep, a... I think that. Do you really think um, there was any CGI in... in there's no CGI. Uh, I'm going to go... For... Yeah, so you think that, that that is one of the things, is there's no CGI. So you no. think that's the truth? No, stop trying to twist it. We think the first one is... Uh... So the oh. three are Joe Pesci intimidated Macaulay Corkin on set so that there seems to be more authentic. Macaulay Corkin was paid $1 million. Oh, sorry. I thought you said no that no, there's no don't, CGI. There's don't, no CGI in the don't film. Don't change now because I think he knows you're onto him and he's trying to change. I'm going to go for the first one anyway. Okay. I'm going to go for CGI. Oh. <laughs> you can... I think... I what thought you, I you? just misheard because I'm pissed. <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on. What scenes would there be CGI in? Because it's not really That's very... a good question. It's not when, really very... Um, the iron when they're on the plane. When they break into the plane. When they're on the plane. Yeah, that's not CGI. That's a set. The bit where they break in. Yeah. When he says, say hello to my little friend. There's so much trivia on home. But yeah. Um, I stick with it. Stick with number one. He was You're all wrong. He was paid one million. No, no, no. He wasn't. <laughs> he did He did intimidate him on set. Uh, that is the truth. Oh, come on. Happy, happy Christmas! <laughs> um, so a couple of other. So I was. I, I can't believe I didn't see those earlier because I was. I was gonna do Home Alone, so I was doing a load of trivia and oh, like research. Oh, it was fun. Apparently, Macaulay Culkin's stunt double was thirty years old. What? What? <laughs> I don't know how they got away with that, but there you go. So apparently, there is CGI in like when he opens the door and the and the kettle that's full of like. Mm. He gets like flamed on his head with something. Right. Oh, yeah. And that was actually shot. That is like a CGI. <laughs> you know what? There was no CGI in Elf. Just saying. No. <laughs> oh, no, wait. The no. snow The snow was special effects. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Cut that bit out. Okay. Let's get <laughs> There's to no it. There's no CGI or snow was CGI. Cut this bit out. No, everyone starts like mid laugh. Good game. Great. Yeah, that was the first time we played that. Yeah, that was a hoot. That was a hoot. <laughs> see? <laughs> that was speak, a hoot, see? Speak up, Zanuck and Billy. Should we move on to Richie Kurt? Yeah, go so, on. Richie Kurt, Kurt. Richie Kurt. Um, we've, all, we've all watched Love Actually, most of us. Actually. Uh, the 2003 rom-com by Richard Curtis, mm. who wrote and directed it. So, uh, Julie, you should kick off, because from what Dom said, you actually love Love Actually oh. and Richard Curtis. Oh, no, he's putting you on. He's putting you on the spot. I know you're putting um, me on the spot. No, I, I, I feel it's like, like it's like podcast bullying. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it, John Pesci. What's his name? John Pesci. 
like Gordon Peele. I feel like Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone. Jason, like Jason like Barbara. Um, I think I should say the synopsis of Love Actually. Yeah, and then ask some very specific got? questions. Um, yeah, there's twelve sublines. Twelve synopses. <laughs> Love Actually. It just said. It just starts with follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives. Well, they're not very different, are they? In they're all in the same social all, circle. In various, all white Very white and very straight. In various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London, England. Firstly, what do you all think of Love Actually? Very mixed bag. Very mixed bag. (sighs) I think there's some great, great bits and some awful bits. I enjoy it. I think it's good fun. I know what you mean. What? So this, no, movie, this no. movie is almost 17 it is 17 years old it's also caused so okay as a film right it's obviously I think everybody watches it understanding it's just a bit of fun it's quite light hearted it shouldn't be taken too seriously but it's caused so much intense debate <laughs> when I was doing a little bit of googling of the film right there seems to have been this new blow up of, of tension around it in 2013 did you guys come across this because I seem to just re- I remember it happening, yeah. what, what but not co- engaging in it. What caused it? What? So, let me consult my notes. In 2013... <laughs> well, it was 10 it, years after it came well, out. Well, exactly. It was the decade anniversary, and like someone offhandedly just wrote in an article on like in the New York Times or something talking about how, oh, you know, Love Actually has sort of become a bit of a, a favourite at Christmas. It's become a holiday classic. And then this guy called Christopher Orr who's I think a very famous movie critic for The Atlantic wrote this really intense like vitriolic piece about how he said it was the least romantic film ever made (laughs) oh that was his criticism and his criticism was all about how like basically people fall in love if they haven't spoken to each other or known each other or come across each other in any way other than just sort of finding each other fairly attractive and as soon as life gets in in any way complicated it's just like love dies and so he's like saying, actually, it's sort of the opposite of, tr- of true love, of real love, of real relationships. But then that sparked a whole then comeback of, of like apologists for, for love, actually, people who were defending it. And it became this like media storm in 2003. That's nuts. Hang I didn't on. come across any of that. But this guy is saying, that's his argument on love. And he's saying that Richard Curtis's film does not portray love in that way. And that he's portraying actually the difficulties of love. Is that so, what he's saying? So... I wouldn't shoot the messenger here because if you're a big I'm, fan, I'm getting, I'm getting tense. <laughs> <laughs> but his point is, is that if you follow most of the storylines in the in the film, mm-hmm. the the love is one of those kind of like the love is a spark between people who don't know each other at mm. all or yeah. have don't necessarily share the same values oh, yeah. or speak or understand each other. So Aurelia and Jamie, yeah. um, the, Sam and Joanna, the, the boy and the girl, mm-hmm. um, uh, even even Liam David and, Claudia and Natalie. Schiffer. Exactly, it's all these kind of like, all these little moments. But the only convincing storylines, really, are the ones that are actually quite tragic, where real love is explored, like Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Yeah. Or Or like, uh, you know, the dead mum and and Liam Neeson. Or Laura Linney and her brother. Yeah, Laura Linney, exactly. That's tragic, though. And I think he is right there. Bill Nye and Spat Manager. (laughs) Hey, come on. 
<laughs> so you wrote it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fat manager. Who? It's 2019. Come on. Um, that's, um, that's nuts, though. Oh, I yeah. Know. The fat shaming is something else I want to go into. In yeah, this yeah. Film. No, we'll, go, we'll, get, we'll, we'll hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> Huge thighs. <laughs> I said my, my trees were like tree trunks. It's like, why are you saying that to the Prime Minister? It's so weird. What do we call that chubby? <laughs> Where the fuck's my fucking fuck Yeah, it's quite sizable arse. But anyway, anyway, my point is, is, is not to either condemn it or praise it hugely it's just saying that it's it so seems to have embedded it. itself so much in culture that people are willing to either attack it yeah. or or defend it it's certainly passion. it's become like a staple film at, at, at christmas mm. and it's become something that i think plays on tv it's it's i i likened it a little bit to like Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz how it's like just constantly on itv too like all the time and mm. i think love actually is at christmas but Shaun of the dead is is oh a you pure, can't... is a, a good comedy yeah and i just feel like love yeah. actually has got this slight status to it where it basically is no better than something that's terrible like The Holiday mm. or... Yeah, I mean, Excuse me, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, obviously The Holiday really, really sucks. And I think Love Actually is saved by the fact that he's kind of cast the net really wide. So there are a few stories in there that you're just like, ah, oh, that yeah, is actually yeah. quite sweet. But actually, there's so many that are not damaging, but I think if you just also watch it alongside like actually Notting Hill's a bit of a mm. anomaly but um four weddings mm. he's not able to flesh out any like considering he's so dialogue heavy with all of his scripts and things he never the leading love interests mm. never talk properly they never there's speak a real, you never um, understand why they like each other there's a real pressure i guess on the film just to kind of like if you would to to um summarize and when you're building love into a, a film that's a really difficult thing to try and do so if, well, you, actually, if you were actually if you were to take each subplot and you were to do the put them side by you know each of their own scenes just con- like one after the other then each one would be what like 12 minutes and so you're basically yeah. trying to write this kind of character arc mm. in in 12 minutes yeah. and no wonder no wonder the kind of straight love stories just come across as quite hard to hard to empathize with the ones that do work are the ones where heartbreak happens because he can build in this whole backstory from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So you arrive at it already sort of like understanding and feeling something for those characters. So Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman, it's like, okay, I get it. I get this portrait of this family. But some yeah. of the, some of the stories like the, the, um, the stand-ins, what are the names of Martin Freeman, John and Judy, the naked couple mm. like mm-hmm. that. I think, I think when you look at the whole film as a whole, their, their story as an example, was just meant to be a bit of comic relief from mm. like the intenseness of the Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson story. Like, if every story was as intense as the as theirs, mm. it wouldn't really work. Do you know what I mean? I I no, I totally get that point. I would say that that story, alongside Aurelia and blah blah, blah and Did Emma I... Thompson and um, Alan mm. Rickman. Sorry, I don't know the names of the characters. Mm. Um, Karen and Harry. But Harry. yeah, John and Judy again. I think the reason why he gets away with it is because there's a sense of balance where he doesn't he doesn't get balance in most of his. There's always a Which weird that? power dynamic, and for this one, it's like, well, you're both naked, you're both awkward, mm. and so there's no one coming on to one another in this like weird way, or someone stalking someone. What did you guys make of the storyline? The two people in the office with uh, Alan Rickman, Laura, um, and and the, with the brother Sarah and Carl. Yes, yeah. What did you make of that line? That storyline. I thought that was I thought it was one of the better ones. Yeah. It was only better because he just happened to put his usual male character in a female character where they obsess about someone they've never spoken to. 
simply because of their appearance. It's also a bit more authentic though as well, no? In that there's a there's a reality to sort of I don't know, maybe I'm just a cynic, but there's a reality to the fact that sometimes the complication of your life gets in the way of a love story actually blossoming and it, it, yeah, it was, was it's good to write in a story where actually it doesn't work because they actually I mean, brought the brother into the into the film yeah i scene? mean don't get me wrong all every, every pretty much every character well yeah definitely every character in love actually is like is quite shallow and not really explored much because mm. there's no time but that one is more i don't know i think something a bit relatable about it yeah no you're right i think there's something I don't know, he seems to be this quite com- complex character because he can get it so wrong, but he can also get it really right. He's Richie Kerr. Yeah, and I feel like the two stories of with Laura Linney and Emma Thompson, there's just a very empathetic thing on how women, are some, you know, the, the caregivers and having to carry mm. quite a lot and it's sort of sacrificial and it means that you can't quite get the happiness that you want or deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, should we go back to Richie Kurt a bit? Because yeah, that's fair. So he met Rowan Axon at uni, but then I I also didn't realise that he wrote Blackadder, mm-hmm. wrote Mr Bean, wrote, I think co-wrote Vicar of Dibley, co-wrote mm-hmm. the fir- first Bridget Jones and created Red Nose Day and Comic Relief, which was kind of nuts. Yeah. With Lenny Henry. Such he, a British institution created. before he actually directed anything. Um, and then he co-wrote War Horse, which was <laughs> the only movie that Louis had seen on the Stephen Spielberg <laughs> 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 I literally in my notes wrote, wrote War Horse, exclamation. <laughs> None of us had seen War Horse on the Steven Spielberg episode. Louis was like, all the Spielberg films. Yeah. And I think that probably affords him a, uh, I don't know, like a gravitas as a writer, right? Which basically means that he can experiment with things like that. I mean, I, I do think that reading about the way he talks about love, actually, it, it does actually sound like for him it was quite experimental. Like I know it's mm. become this very mainstream kind of staple that was like, oh, some studio came up with it. But apparently for ages, he'd been toying with this idea of, I just want to try and explore what love means to a lot of different people. Because the, the idea for the multi-narrative thing came, I read, came from this old film called mm. Nashville. It's just a musical, mm. but it's a musical that has lots of different narratives okay. and it's his favorite film. I heard Pulp Fiction had a had a, uh, an influence as well. Yeah. I mean, I makes read, sense. Yeah. But also, apparently, originally, he was writing it as just two films with two plots. And then he was like, actually, I could try and create sort of an intersecting narrative. And and also, apparently, it wasn't a Christmas film when he first started writing it. He thought that it would sort of do better, basically, if uh, if he made it a Christmas film when he tried to tie it all together. It also creates a deadline because it's like four weeks from Christmas, three weeks. It kind of builds. Yeah, that's true. And apparently, he said, again, something I read was that he he so regretted making it a Christmas film because there was a deadline, (laughs) as in for the film itself. Right, right. He said it was just absolute hell going through editing with like 12 subplots and you've got Christmas looming and you have to get the film out. Oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, Richard, Richard Curtis overall, like... What's your favourite director? Is it, well, well, exactly. No, there, there's, there's a few... No, but there's a few people... Um, I think there's people who kind of agree with this this outlook is um, his films, like, they are cheesy and unrealistic. If you accept that they're kind of corny films, I, well, I quite enjoy them, but the um, I think the problem comes where people... Yeah, cheers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spire, I was expecting Spire, a silent nod and then it's like, yeah. just being poured Give some, us another uh, one. Just being poured some tough on wine. If you accept, I don't know where I'm going with this. But what I'm saying is, I know, I know a lot of people don't like him. What but I if, you, if you accept it as like light entertainment, digestible, which I know is not. Listen, yeah, people have a problem with that in yeah. itself. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that he does in his movies is creates this sort of fantasy of British life, of what British life is. In the '90s, everyone just swallowed that completely because everyone was very optimistic about Britain in the '90s. Mm-hmm. In 2003. 
I guess like there's stuff in Love Actually, isn't there? That's so of its time, like yeah, he, the tension with America during like yeah. Iraq he mentions war. the 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 Twin Towers in the first yeah. three lines. Yeah, of the film. but even then, you're in sort of like Blair's second term. You know, economic boom time. Everyone's everyone's fairly still optimistic about Britain, even though there were tensions in in the kind of political climate. Um, now. I think both looking back at the films of that time and maybe even more so looking at Richard Curtis's most recent films, the this kind of like glossy picture perfect world of Britain is just really hard to believe, really hard to buy into because he doesn't really look at any of the gritty reality of how shit things sometimes are. No, it's all it's all kind of like upper middle, upper class. Like even yeah. the, the, I was thinking when I was watching it, all of the, the flats that are in, like anyone's flat or yeah. house that's in the film is like the the the, the age old like the age, crazy expensive the, the yeah. age old trope in that is that Notting Hill which is obviously about Notting Hill the area mm. he works in a the character works in a bookshop <laughs> the bookshop's doing badly because they, they they reference in the film I can't we shouldn't really buy coffees but we'll do it mm. yeah he lives in a house in Notting Hill he lives in a beautiful it, house yeah, with we, one yeah, other person yeah, yeah. So, it's just, yeah. So, so that that's obviously just a yeah well, doesn't stack up yeah. And like but, um, in love, actually, they work in this charity, and they've got this amazing Shoreditch office with this like Christmas party at the yeah. at the art gallery. Is it ever referenced what Liam Neeson does? Because he's always he he's like has this home office. In well, he runs movie. this charity, doesn't he? Oh, is that what he does? Fine. And actually, that becomes clearer in the deleted scene. The idea is that Laura Linney and, and Alan Rickman and Mia work at this charity which of like nondescript charity but yeah it's like it's this charity that looks like it's google yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much but on, but on some of his other films like um like four weddings and a funeral which was his first one that he wrote but didn't direct a lot of that i do i mean i haven't seen it for a year or so but i did find that that's probably my favorite of his but i also find it really funny yeah i um, i was literally just watching it today i'm i'm like half an hour from finishing it and it is actually really funny it is it is I've really seen good four weddings before before. No, I, I've seen it like 10 years oh, ago. Right. Yeah, okay. um, but it got nominated for a Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. But... It is much funnier, but it's much purer. And Andy McDowell was a terribly mm. written character. Poor lady had the worst Dreadful. line in all of cinema history. I've noticed. <laughs> is it raining? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> but he does it to all to everyone. And then Julia Roberts, obviously a heavier American injection, but still managed to pull it off because it was just brilliant. Yeah, I'm so. really surprised that he talks about it like the, it was his personal project because mm. the talks way... Talks about which, which movie? Love well, Actually. actually. Oh, right. Because it does just feel like a heavy-handed heavy of, of an American studio being like, we love what you did on Notting Hill. Like, <laughs> blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. And we want... Not the Hill. Yeah, not Iron Hill. <laughs> and um, I mean, obviously, apart from when Prime Minister stands up to mm. Billy Bob <laughs> Thornton. But yeah, it all feels just like quite... Like how, a friend who bullies how us. <laughs> is no friend at all. David Beckham's right foot, for that matter. Um, I think it's really interesting what you were saying earlier. Of like, you remember the sketches of Richard Curtis Land, where mm. every like just everything's so perfect, and it used to be this funny joke, and now it's just not a joke anymore. Now people mm. are quite angry about seeing things that way. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, I also wonder as well, like the the rom com rom com genre was so it was like exploding during 95 to basically 
2005. Like, it was huge. Yeah. Like, it was massive. Like, Jerry Maguire came out in that time. There was just so many... I don't know, that genre has kind of died because those movies that are studio movies, the they were quite high-budget movies, which have kind of... Like, Netflix and streaming services have basically taken up, um, which is why you get so many terrible rom-coms on, on stuff like Netflix. Yeah. You've got to see something like Love Actually in, in the context of its time like 2003 I mean Friends was still on TV yeah and I, and <laughs> I know the that there's a whole thing at the moment about rewatching whole... Friends and it being like well no yeah, my point is I... just that like canned canned emotion was was everywhere in like mainstream film and TV and now we're much more I think what sells now is authenticity. Woke. <laughs> oh, woke. Yeah, fine. But, but I was going to say, say like, authenticity. <laughs> like, like, reality is what matters now. I think we're far more into those kind of stories. Mm. Um, like, I don't know, in my head, I'm just like, well, I, Daniel Blake, would that have been made? I mean... Yeah, it, yeah. by Richard Gers. It's a, it's no, a real Christmas feel good. Like, years ago, you know. You said, yeah. just, we yeah. were much yeah. more up for that. It was, Ken yeah. Roach was making things like... Years ago, though. Yeah, but it wasn't. But was it getting it the same? Like was it getting the same? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't. No. Rosemary's Baby. Anyway. But no, not, in, sorry, not that. No, what was it? That, no, Ken, no, was just it, admit it. Richard Curtis is your no, favorite no, director. No, <laughs> not Rosemary's Baby. I always get this myself. Yeah. Car- <laughs> Cassie Cumberland. Loki. Um, yeah, I'm not speaking from a place of knowledge. Has anyone else seen The Boat That Rocked? Yes, my favourite Curtis film. It's inspired by like a pirate radio boat called Radio Caroline. Basically a boat where it's a pirate radio station. There's loads of kind of loud, quirky DJs on it. But I would say it's I would say it's an out and out comedy really. Yep. Um but no, I enjoyed it, but it's it's different because the other I'd say all of his other films are dramas with comic elements. Hmm. Like um Love Actually or Notting Hill, blah blah blah. Whereas this is actually a comedy. Mm. And it um, was a it was a failure, wasn't it? It, it, I, I have it, no idea how it, it did. It, it tanked yeah. at the box office, it didn't it? It barely I, made any money. It's my favourite Curtis film, either written or directed, and he did both yeah. and produced it as well, I think. But it's because it's like, it doesn't it doesn't pretend to, it doesn't try to, Love Actually tries to represent a cross-section of Britain and it fails. But this but, is the thing, he's brilliant at comedy. Yeah, exactly. He's fantastic exactly. when he's not trying to do a, a deeper, uh, more meaningful thing, which he tries to do in Love Actually so much. And that's what I think the issue is, he's, he's peddling quite damaging mm. views. Like, I don't, mm. I don't know, it's just... Notting Hill does have one of the greatest Richard Curtis scenes where it's like, what magazine do you work for? Uh, Horse and Hound. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, Notting Hill's brilliant. That's Notting Hill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, he didn't direct it, so... Yeah. Um, actually, I was just about to say, on that... Horse and Hound? Uh, what he wrote for, for Four Weddings, Mike Newell obviously directed it and he was saying that he was on set watching him take basically take the script and obviously direct it and turn it into an actual thing. And he was basically saying, I could never direct, like I could, I could never do what he did, and it, he he did it in such an elegant way that I, if I directed Four Weddings, I would never have done it like that. And he well, actually, for a long time, was like, I'm not gonna direct, even though he had lots of options to do it. But then, obviously, when he came to Love Actually and he did it, he, I don't know, he's just still very self-effacing about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of quite apologetic. A lot about of the, a lot of the more way. negative reviews of Love Actually. So basically, said, I read one that was talking about how um, Love Actually has all the hallmarks of a film where the director couldn't re- rein in the writer, <laughs> and it's like it, it just it just, just tries to do too much. And if, but like I've not I've not seen this from the inside. 
I've I've seen it I've seen it in theatre actually where a director's job quite often is just to sort of slam down the writer from putting more in. Do you know what I mean? It's like don't let the audience make these connections themselves. Like create yeah. gaps for the audience to sort. Of, and and Love Actually doesn't really do that. It sort of overly just delivers everything in your on your doorstep. Yeah, we yeah. were saying this. Kira Knightley. Yeah. Thing, yeah. I oh, sometimes yeah. feel like I look he quite has pretty, don't I? I oh, quite pretty. Um, <laughs> he has like I feel like a list. There's a lot of, of shots of me, aren't there? <laughs> Like, sorry so it's on your face he's stalking you it's weird <laughs> get out get out get out um i know i know you balked when i was like it's quite damaging i know that sounds so dramatic well, no, but yeah. like there's a guy that basically stalks a woman in it and is then then a prick to her to cover it up and she still then just kisses him as a reward yeah you, like and there's their the, storyline the is the idiot that goes to America because he's basically like all oh, the girls are up for it. Oh, and don't hate on Colin's storyline. Makes it so all of the women are up for it and so up for it that they then follow him back to the UK to have sex with just this random British <laughs> idiot. That he's, which, yeah. which is um, they told me you were gorgeous. Denise, Ri- Denise Richards. <laughs> Is yeah, the girl. Yeah, she's Alicia Cuthbert as well. Yeah, Alicia Cuthbert, but yeah. also um, January Jones, who is yes. uh, of Mad Men fame, yeah. Of Mad Men yeah, fame, and yeah. all of the lines are just like. Uh, but that's, but that's yeah. so, so I think. I don't disagree with you in the entirety, but that particular subplot, I feel it's like... Collins. Yeah, Collins. It's cheap, it's filthy. To, to actually take <laughs> that line, that plot seriously, is to like do a disservice to people with a brain who watch the film, right? Because it's obviously tongue-in-cheek like that doesn't really happen and the whole point is it's the, it's the enactment of a fantasy yeah and actually it's but- a reference to our earlier conversation he even says to him like what's in the bag and he's like it's full of johnnies <laughs> <laughs> you think this is full of clothes no chocolate block full of condoms <laughs> i mean no you're not wrong but like you're, you're absolutely right that like that storyline in itself is completely irresponsible it's and correct. false. It's and... fucking nuts that whole storyline. But but the, the comedy is that it's this stupid fantasy that British men that, have about that actually, America. Yeah. That actually works out. And like just showing it. On it's very heavy-handedly directed. I, when, when I he just goes... don't think he. I just don't think he put like I am understanding that he's pro- he's he's intelligent enough to have some like irony, but he doesn't pull it off. Right. The right. last scene where he goes to the house and they're like in the silhouette of them in the bedroom. You know, they're all yeah. dressing Colin. It's so heavy-handedly directed. It's like, it just feels like a different movie. What's the song yeah. on at that point? It's like... Yeah, and, yeah. The girl, and the other girl who... Yeah, Harry yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like, she's the hot one. And all of three of them are like, she's hot the already. hot yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you couldn't make it now. You'd make Booksmart now, right, guys? <laughs> right? Every film, every time we do anything that was like made more than 10 years ago, at some point, we're like, you make Booksmart now. <laughs> But it, talking about the actors, it's interesting because a lot of them weren't actually that famous when it was made. So I didn't know this, but Bill Nye wasn't actually... I'm surprised by that. He wasn't actually that big of an actor when Love Actually came out. If you look at his IMDb page, he's done a bunch of TV stuff, but then his career basically exploded yeah. after Love Actually, and now everyone knows who he is. Who? Bill Nye, who's Billy the guy... Mac. Billy Mack. Yeah. The rock, the rock yeah, guy. Yeah, he's in the, the dad in Shaun of the Dead. But also, if you look at the... Get um, Barbara some flowers from a garage four. I was going to say, say, with, I was gonna say with, with Richard Curtis, like typically you say, you know, who, which actor do you associate with Richard Curtis? And the guy who jumps to mind is Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. But actually, if you look at Richard Curtis's directed films, it's Bill Nye. I love actually Boat Rocked and, and About Time. He's yeah, in all yeah, of so them. he's the main... Mm. A huge Grant part. <laughs> huge Grant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also Martin Freeman <laughs> he became a huge actor was after... this before well, you say that Love Actually is set all of no, that no, just, all, I'm saying, all I'm saying is, is it only set yeah, the, yeah, the women actors up he had a huge thing. movie career after Love Actually yeah no I'm not saying Love Actually put them on the map but there's 
in Chiritel Ijaya 4. He also mm-hmm. did... Right, 12 Years a Slave. 12, yeah. yeah, and he didn't. He really wasn't that big before, no. actually. And even his and part... And there's a big gap between... His part, he's not, he's actually, not, is not even that large. He's Yes, yeah, so he's not a big character. No. But Give him a quid and tell him to bugger off. Yeah, and then he turns, <laughs> and then he, and then he he turns he, the TV up. And it's yeah. like, it's your best mate. That's You're a, showing cards to your girlfriend. But he's, but he's, he's so not... The, God. He's actually the peripheral role, because it's it's Kira Knightley and... Mm. I forget Mark. the guy's name. Andrew Lincoln. He's another one. He's the lead of Walking Dead, isn't he? The weird casting for me is Martine McCutcheon. Mm. Although apparently it was written for her. That was, was another she bit like of trivia. Was coming at one point? Yeah. Natalie. Where the fuck's my fucking Where the fuck's my fucking Oh, piss it. She was big on EastEnders. Yeah, she time, was. And she? I think there was a bit of a buzz around her. Yeah, I, no, I heard after then, Love actually she was going to go to the States and make it quite big as an actress and it just didn't. She's one of the big stars. just didn't. <laughs> Huge thighs, actually. See the pipes on that? <laughs> It's so weird. Let's talk about their storyline. We should talk to that thing though, because like the the fat shaming thing, like um, you know, she's got you know quite a good figure, and, and yet that's kind of like thrown yeah. in as a the constant again, uh, story. On Oriola's storyline yeah. with the dad. Where he's like, shut up, Miss Duncan. Don't <laughs> still that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Who says like, anything about paying? How yeah. you pay him? <laughs> No, it's Port- she's Portuguese. So oh, she's but Portuguese, yeah. but he flies to Marseille. I realized. I, 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 Does he? I no, that that's where he was. So he's writing in France. So but no, she's, she's but Portuguese. It's the Portuguese sort of community within in Marseille. Marseille. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard Curtis wants you to know that. Well, exactly. <laughs> he wants you to know that there's Louis, some very forward Including Miss Duncan. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, Donut 2003. But yeah, that fat shaming. It's like you know that he's intelligent enough and good enough as a human that he doesn't mean it. He means it again in this ironic way, and it just misses the mark because it's just like you haven't developed this character no, in a yeah. large enough way. Like Bridget Jones, you managed to get away with it because there's a whole film about, about the many different facets of her. Literally, Martin McCutcheon just comes in, she's like, Oh, I'm really big it's a totally unnecessarily oh, plot. And then she oh, leaves it. and the Prime Minister's like, oh, I'm so in love. Like, fuck, I knew I was going to oh. fucking swear. Oh, fuck. I knew for Prime Minister I was going to fuck up on my first day. <laughs> yeah, that one. Oh, piss it. Um, that, 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 is a, that is a Richard kind of Curtis trope, the um, the overload of swearing. It's like, um, oh, he does that in four yeah. weddings. Yeah, yeah, so, so four fuck, weddings. Fuck, yeah, fuck. They wake up and they miss. Oh, it's like eighteen fucks. Yeah, yeah, they they, they minute, wake up. Yeah. And they're late for the wedding, so fuck. they they all say fuck. And it is pretty funny. But yeah, then I'm that's sure. Hilarious. So David and Natalie. Let's just focus on them for a second. Prime Minister. And... How does he not have Natalie's address? She was an employee at the at the. This, I was thinking about this. GDPR man. What, what he. Um... Oh, I don't know, that was a very silly joke. <laughs> <laughs> right. the lamest, I don't understand the, the joke. Is there, is there a trophy for the lamest joke of every podcast episode ever? Um, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm like, how the fuck does... Anyway, it's, it's hardly a, but hardly I, I, the right I think, issue. Although it's obviously definitely one of the more wooden sort of love stories. <laughs> the one that elevates the film into like cinematic proportions, right? Because it's like, it's, it's the fucking prime minister mm. and it's the yeah. age of Tony Blair and everyone's... Mm. I don't know, without it, it would be a much smaller film. Well, I remember sense? seeing the trailer in the cinema for Love Actually. Yeah. And they really? only fo- yeah, and they only focused on that love story. Mm. It looked like that was the whole film. <laughs> I remember that because I was How like, disappointed that's you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was what like, the oh, fuck all these made, other storylines. Made in Manhattan. Because uh, that yeah, had just yeah. come out. I was like, oh that's the exact same ripoff. But, but I think um, I think I think also that but that's cu- the Hollywood story. But, but, yeah. but coupled yeah. with that, like Hugh Grant and Richard Curtis were famous but but also interlinked as in Four Weddings in Notting Hill. So as you couple them together yeah, in yeah, the trailer. That's true. It, that's and whatever, was... whatever Hugh Grant was doing was gonna be a mm. central focus. And he and... said recently that he hated doing the, the dancing. 
didn't it he? was unnecessary he, 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 he said oh. he I was watching this interview where he said he didn't understand he didn't technically so weird he didn't technically understand it because he was like where's the music coming from yeah he's like where's the music coming from and Richard Curtis apparently was like we're, we're in movie land at this point you're dancing around like where's the music coming from anyway I feel like I should reprise that theory I made earlier about about him being a Tory at this point right because my I think I think he's a conservative politician is all I'll say um and the reason is that first of all Natalie talks about how he beat somebody who was the incumbent right to get in because he said she says I was hoping you'd win because the other guy always liked the boring biscuit secondly the incumbent in question was probably Tony Blair because he makes the the point to his housekeeper at the start that uh, it'll be easy with him because there's no children no scary wife mm. which is a reference to Cherie Blair as she was portrayed in 2003 and then finally when he is doing his little sort of soliloquies in his office you see a Churchill poster and a Margaret Thatcher poster portrait on the on the office wall case closed case closed <laughs> I mean it's a very it's a watertight theory it is well, a good theory few leaks maybe it'd be good for it was all a dream <laughs> Yeah, that would He's have been. He's trying it. to peddle a story. Yeah, 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 that would have been good. <laughs> you better, you better have something enough. better than that. Throwing it away when you are. Let me tell you, Louis spreadsheets. Um, do you know what? I, I actually, I found their story, in the context of the film, I found their storyline quite enjoyable, especially when he went to go and find her and was knocking on all the doors. Awesome. And one of the best bits is when he starts singing when the carol. Yeah. One of the best bits is the driver was like, Good King Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what when the snow yeah, was Yeah. A yeah. Um, yeah. little bit of trivia. Hit me up. Colin, right? Of uh, Julia's favorite storyline. Your favorite storyline. Colin Firth and Aurelia. No, not Colin. No, no, Firth. no not Colin. Colin. Oh. Colin. Here comes the Colin. Oh. And he's got a big cock. So Colin got off sex. So you're never going to be able to go there and have sex with everyone. You're a lonely, ugly he's asshole. Like, no. Yes. Nine. Yeah, darling. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts. That was so funny that scene. But anyway, one of his first interactions is at. Um, the wedding of Kira Knight and he go he's serving food at the wedding right and, yeah. he, and he goes up to a woman and he's like oh yeah do you want to troll you a bit dodgy my favourite actor so from uh, Gavin Davis. and Stacey and, yeah so and and he's like oh, a bit dodgy aren't they and she turns out she's a chef and he's like did you do weddings we should cook this one you know done this one yeah anyway that piece of writing was originally going to be in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Hugh Grant was going to come on to this girl who ended up being the chef at the wedding. And that would fit. But it was cut from the script and then he finally managed to get it into Love Actually. Which is wow. weird, right? That is... This proves my theory that he just has a bunch of like little gags <laughs> that he wants to get in. And sometimes it makes no sense coming from the characters. And it's like, I don't understand who this person is. And now they're just like talking about some sort of anglicism thing. It's just... Yeah. Uh, so we should talk about cutscenes actually. That's yeah, a good that, that's another proof. Yeah, we so should. the so there's four scene four I suppose other storylines that are cut from this. So there's a lesbian relationship between a headmistress and her sick lover. Uh, there's one one set in Africa during a famine. One about a girl in a wheelchair, and one about a lovesick drummer in a school band, which I can only assume was they, they kind of already, the Liam Neeson. Yeah, they kind of already had that. The lesbian relationship was actually filmed. It's this kind of scene where this headmistress comes home and into her bedroom where her uh, wife is, and you kind of find out through their through the scene that her wife is quite sick. I need to interject because you do not find out through the writing that the wife is sick. It's, she's no, literally sick because she she's wearing... She coughs. She's, she's got wearing, a yeah. headband. So it's like, okay, she's got a cancer. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about sausages. No, but there is a reveal. 
there is a reveal at the end. Yeah, when they're at, at the, the concert. When they're at the, when they're at the school. Because so it's they, a she, different scene. But it, yeah. But, yeah. And, and it's like, we're very sorry think, for her loss sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, there's, I guess there's a, there's a callback to it. So yeah, it kind of relates to the... To the... <laughs> Literally, it's just like, oh, I don't want... <laughs> Like don't Dickensian. give me sausage and those leeks. And then just... Get back in the kitchen, you domestic goddess. Oh. <laughs> it's so wooden. It's just so do you wooden. Think it was, do you think it was cut because it just didn't work as a scene in the film or it didn't work as a scene in its own microcosm of it? If those were the only we're... scenes of that love story, then yeah. it, it dies well, it... because it's not strong enough. <laughs> he said... He said <laughs> but... I, mean, it, it, I think that was the, that was the scene. But... but didn't Richard Curtis say he lost it because the... Because the way that that character was introduced was that he, she was the headmistress at Sam's school. Yeah. Did you watch the other deleted scene? No, not Sam. Um, Karen. Emma Thompson's Emma, Karen, daughter. Emma Thompson. daughter. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Sam is also there as well. Sam's yeah. Also yeah. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another deleted scene where Emma Thompson gets called to the principal's office with her son because yeah. her son has written. Exactly. The essay. Yeah, the essay. So that was cut, and then they were like, well, we can't well, really put in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the film, we've, the film we forgot to talk shit on, which is probably one of my favourite Richard Curtis ones, is um, About a Boy. Oh. Is that Curtis? No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's this not. is an in-joke, because it's actually a film directed and written by the, 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 the American two brothers, Pie guys. The two brothers who made American Pie. After American Pie, they wrote oh, and yeah. directed About a Boy. And it's like one of those movies. But this is what I mean. Like he's such, I, I don't know if strong is the right word, but he's such a like recognisable yeah. writer I think spe- I think specific. that you would even mistake that to be one of his films. He's quite specific in the the genre and area he goes into. Yeah, like yeah. he's got his The own, genre is Hugh Grant. There's, yeah, it's literally Hugh Grant. <laughs> You're the make and break of my yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch the Red Nose Day uh, like re- Mm. revisit that he did I saw it years ago but there's one um, there's one bit on it which was pretty funny which uh, it's the only bit I can remember from the Red Nose Day bit which was Liam Neeson and the boy Sam Sam. Sam yeah so they sit down and basically Liam Neeson is like so how's how's things going with that girl and he's like it was 10 years ago (laughs) 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 I I haven't spoken to her since we left school (laughs) since the airport it was actually really funny funny. I've had a girlfriend for three years like what are you talking about I'm 23 like there is one scene in their storyline when Liam Neeson's standing in front of the, their fireplace and he's pacing back and forth like trying to be like well how are we going to get this girl yeah, like the way yeah. he's talking like now you've seen him in so many action yeah, movies yeah. like take it it seems like a, how are we going to take her how are we going to get her out of school I have a very particular set of skills <laughs> that make me a nightmare honestly, for people like you honestly when you rewatch it he's proper pacing back and forth it's have so you guys funny. heard this fan theory about his character that he's actually deeply in love with Karen no, who's, who's Karen? Emma Thompson? So Karen's Emma Thompson. Are they uh, are they just friends? Because there's they have one scene yeah. together, don't they? Yeah. So Emma Freud, who's Curtis's mm. wife and edited the script, yeah. um, she flatly denies it. But there's this big fan fan theory that um, that he's in love one with her. And well, it's not wild enough for it to be in that, okay. that section. But that he's in love with her, and then the only clue that, that that gives you that sense is that when he does bump into Claudia Schiffer, mm. whose name is Carol. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. He he basically at the end says, "Well, nice to meet you, Karen." And then she says, "Carol." And he's like, "Oh shit, Karen." Uh, Carol. Yeah. And everyone's interpreted that as like he's actually just got Karen. And Emma Freud is like, "Oh, we just forgot that that other character's name was Karen," which is quite hard That's to believe. But then why would she lie about that? Yeah, exactly. So what's, what's her agenda here? <laughs> There's another guy. Dumbledore's not gay. <laughs> what's going on theory. with Emma, the editor? Yeah. I feel like we've covered. 
pretty much all the storylines. Other than Colin's, Colin Firth storyline, we haven't really touched Ugh, on. But... That's my favourite story. <laughs> really? I was going to ask you which is your favourite. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> is it really? Emma Thompson's favourite story. You love the Joni Mitchell moment. What? Who doesn't? That's incredible. Yeah. Um, they might, they I, might. Hate, I hate Snape. Snape having an affair with the devil is so creepy. <laughs> one, 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 thing that, one thing that really jumped out to me with the Colin first one, though, which, this, is, this, is, this is the same with like with a lot of them, is when it's like something which is mainly, or a lot of it is based on comedy, it's just like, there's like one guy, which is kind of funny, so like the, the couple who are like having, doing like the kind of porn scenes, it's like, yeah, that's kind of funny. And then, it, but it's the same thing. And Colin first one was also like, yeah. So they they're saying the same thing, but in different languages. I guess it's just that there's for once a reason why his two leading love interests aren't talking to one another. Whereas usually <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like why aren't they just like finding out about one another? And this one it's like, oh, they physically can't speak the same language. I think that and it's also quite funny. Uh, yeah, he's just sort of he's doing the Miss Duncan the, Donuts is a good line. Oh, you it's know. like. It's a cracking gag. <laughs> it's like, I, I and... heard I he's going to kill Aurelia. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. My favourite is when she just comes down, she's like, just in cases. Just, oh, in, just cases. in cases. Oh, uh, it's sweet. But, I just quite yeah, liked it. Yeah, and also Colin Firth is just it's so Colin. lovable, isn't he? He has a weird start to that storyline, though, with when he goes home. Oh, I love how they don't revisit the fact that his <laughs> brother, brother has been sleeping and then with the his woman, wife. And then the woman shouts, yeah. Yeah, I've... I want to get well, you another two, two more, two, two more times. More ta- so. This is why he's so fucked. <laughs> two more times before, before, well, uh, at least twice before, before Jamie, Jamie comes, comes home. home. Yeah. Oh. I hate Uncle Jamie. <laughs> I hate Uncle Jamie. And the bit. brother, but the brother, do you I see the brother Uncle like Jamie. in the background? Oh, what in that scene with the when family? When he arrives with all the bags and they're all like, Uncle Jamie's here, and his brother's just like. Oh, Sorry, awkwardly oh, just standing in the background. Uncle oh, David. I hate Uncle Jamie. Apparently, uh, Rich Curtis's brother is actually called Jamie, so that was written in to just... And slept uh, with his wife, apparently. I hate Uncle no. Jamie. No, I made that up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have Gullible it. has two L's, everybody. <laughs> um, Should yeah. we... Uh, oh, we haven't even mentioned Rowan Atkinson, because the, the, the two scenes he's in... But you said you wanted a gift wrap, <laughs> <laughs> he is just brilliant he's so good in this one of the things I love is that the um, this actually ties into my wild theory slightly, so I'm not going to go into it too much but at the airport when he can't find his passport mm. and he's just like faffing around for ages like trying to find so <laughs> creepy like why is he at the gift shop and it. then why is he at... I said he wanted a gift wrap at so the I... airport but not getting on a plane yeah. I, th- <laughs> I thought I thought Rowan Anderson well yeah on that point I thought Rowan Anderson is like input was um was was environmentally like sickening because it's a metaphor for consumerism <laughs> and uh what, you know flying, like, flying with all yeah, shit yeah. and overdoing it on the, and on the forgetfulness but <laughs> exactly. you said you wanted it <laughs> yeah uh, apparently that was done in the Simon flashes of flashes oh really did you hear this huh? no which is bizarre it, apparently the original the original casting for that was Simon Pegg Wow. <laughs> Which is so... But it would work, probably. It would work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very different, though, because Rowan Atkinson plays it as this sort of posh, upper-class gent. Oh, can... Simon Pegg thought he was going to have his big break, and then Rowan... Well, he got gave it, it to Rowan and Shaun of the Dead, didn't he? Gave it to Mr. Bean. Same year. Yeah. Just a one-love, actually. Just, just a one-love, actually. <laughs> 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 no luck catching them killers, then. No luck catching them killers, then. <laughs> Should we move on to uh, everyone's uh, wild theory? Or it was all a dream? Yeah, Let's do it. Uh, it's basically the part of the podcast where we all brought a wild interpretation of the film that we're doing. And we've called it It Was All a Dream because uh, Dylan 
once said that his worst nightmare for anyone explaining a movie was that it was all a dream and it just didn't mean anything. So that's why we called it that. So Sparrow, you go. Okay. In, in Love Actually, um, Hugh, Hugh Grant's character and his sister are kind of like, you know, he's doing one in his career and stuff. He's single. And um, Emma Thompson's uh, his sister, right? Yeah, Emma Thompson's sister is like, is, uh, is married to her. Adam Rickman has a family stuff, but then he kind of like, you know, he doesn't cheat on her, but he kind of like considers doing it and it's, it's not looking good. It's a bit like shaky for her. Okay. Mm. So my theory is, now the act, the actress has changed, but um, Hugh Grant and his sister play the same character in Four Weddings, Notting Hill and Love Actually. So Hugh Grant's character always has a sister and in, in Four Weddings and Funeral and Notting Hill, they're both the same kind of, they get messed around by men. And then Hugh Grant is divorced in Notting Hill so he means he gets married in four weddings. It's it's a far flung theory, yeah. but basically the, the 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 theory is that Hugh Grant in four weddings in a funeral, Hugh Grant and his sister are actually the same characters in four weddings, Notting Hill, and Love Actually. So he becomes prime minister. Well, yeah, it's far flung. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. That's kind of interesting. The actresses who play the sister Ch- change. change, and in in four weddings and Notting Hill, they're very similar characters. Yeah. yeah. In in Love Actually, she's quite different albeit there's but quite she has a bit, short hair there's yeah. quite a big gap as well I think that's great that's a great theory maybe his marriage to Julia Roberts the, the world renowned star catapulted him to fame so he became got the name recognition that he needed to become he's Prime, Prime Minister he's Trump he's, yeah, Trump. he's Trump and then he and then he cast her on the wayside and <laughs> And yeah, she's a secretary. Or does does Natalie live here? <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't. Nice. I like that. Shall I do mine? I don't. I, I know mine isn't as good as Julia's, but I'm going to do it anyway because Julia's, Julia's, Julia's got Julia's, like four pages Julia's, of day four. <laughs> just wild. Mine is very simple. I'll be, I'll be quick. Mine is that um, I believe that the whole movie is actually about Rowan Atkinson <laughs> being a, being a guardian angel for the relationships that he gets involved in. Because yeah. in the very first scene when you see him and he's like, "When the flashes of flashes and he's making, <laughs> the reason he's taking so long to do the gift is because he knows that it's not for yeah. his wife. So yeah. he's like it, longing out the process so that she'll figure it out. Second time you see him at Heathrow, he fumbles around for his passport so that Sam can get through to see the girl. That's quite a good theory. So Absolutely it, right. Yeah. So that he that the whole movie is actually that he's an angel. He's an yeah. angel that's come in to to a Christmas. Christmas angel. Christmas angel. Yeah. It's pretty far flung because he's only in two scenes and yeah. that, that max out. Is he credited as Ga- Is he credited though? as Gabriel? He's that... called Rufus, which I feel like could be an, an angel name. But it was, so, <laughs> really? Ah, Rufai. I have every um, belief that you're you're honest and you came up with this yourself. But I've genu- That's a genuine. That's in an interview with Richard Curtis about this. Oh really? Yeah. So originally the character was written in as this kind of angel of Christmas. What? Okay, well, I'm glad that's your reaction rather than busted. But no, 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 no but I, as I, in I, genuinely, like it was originally written in, and they had to tone it down because he was what, like, in nah, what that he actually too. would be an angel. I don't know. I don't know what he said was our original conception of that character that he'd be this angel that sort of made love happen at well, Christmas a, when yeah, because in a weird way, I wish that he had a few more scenes where he kind of like yeah. bumbled around. The and two like, feel random. Yeah, it's like yeah. what's the shop assistant doing at the airport? But bang on though, because obviously that was the intention. Interesting. That's okay. a wild theory. That's like a genuinely. It's not that wild. Not that wild it. theory. Genuine. Genuine. <laughs> One genuine this a, theory. <laughs> this doesn't happen very often on Radio Watford. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. We're gonna get pissed and me and my Let's fat get, manager. <laughs> Let's get pissed and watch Paul. <laughs> oh, the pissed and watch 
own. I mean, the, the no, no, fat, guys, I mean it. Let's the fat <laughs> shaming isn't even with the female characters; it's with his manager. Well, at as least let's well. yeah. do it equally. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who wants to go next? Come on. Yeah, I'll go. Time okay. for the main yeah. event. Okay. I'll read it out. Hold Settle yourself in, in this. Yeah. Yeah. Selling this four pages. It's four pages long. <laughs> Richard Curtis believes the sea is the biggest obstacle we face when it comes to finding love. Ooh. And he did this in three subtle but unforgettable ways. <laughs> Kira Knightley floating away from Andrew Lincoln on a boat at the end of her wedding, symbolising once and for all any possibility for the pair of them. Oh. Emma Thompson spends most of the film making a paper mache lobster head, <laughs> enabling her husband to cheat on her with relative impunity. It's only when the lobster head is finished does she sense something is up. Oh, shit, yeah. And good. finally, of course... The octopus in the back of the taxi, which tries to thwart Martin McCutcheon's <laughs> confession of love for the Prime Minister. Oh my God, the ocean. <laughs> the ocean, it's the sea. The cruel mistress. It is. Oh yeah. It, I think, is, I think, such, it is such a good thing. I, I think it's a solid theory, but there's one plot hole. Oh. oh. What? what about um, Colin flying over the sea to find love? Yeah, yeah, he avoided the sea. Yeah. Oh, he avoids it. <laughs> exactly. He, he stayed away from the sea. If he'd gone fine. by boat, it would be a very different film. <laughs> the plot holder becomes a plot hole team. <laughs> um, I love it. The octopus scene, especially when he takes like 10 minutes to get out, to get out of the taxi. He's like, look at the fucking way. There's a lot of legs. That is, so good. Um, that is a really good theory. I feel like it's sort of, it's, you know. Maybe it's for, true. Yeah, for lack of a better pun, it's watertight <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um. <laughs> All right, okay. Mine's, mine's a little bit long, but settle in because I've thought it through, okay? Although there are only 10 subplots to the film, there are 12 that he shot overall, right? With the two deleted scenes that we talked about. So 12 plots, 12 days of Christmas. My theory is that you can pretty much summarize each plot with the Christmas Carol, the 12 days of Christmas. And hear me out, because I've, I've thought it through. Wow. Oh, my so. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, 12 days of Christmas, right? Here we go. So, ladies dancing, right? Some of these are a little bit more thought through than others, but ladies dancing. So, this old couple who... This is the deleted scene, right? This old lesbian couple of the yeah. headmistress and the... They're old, but they're still loving each other. They're dancing through the illness. (laughs) (laughs) Through the illness, through the old age. They're just dancing. They're ladies dancing. Okay. Next we have, next we have our lords are leaping. (laughs) Our lords are leaping, right? So what about Billy Mack? Billy Mack and his manager. These lords, they're leaping around, leaping to the top of the charts. They've been leaping all their lives. And then they finally found love. Next, we've got drummers drumming. Anyone? Drummers? Oh, come Please. on. Drumming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Sam learns to drum to, to win the love of Joanna. There was drumming, drumming. So Piper's piping. Right. This is a bit of an obscure one. Um, but we talk about all these references to her thighs, which is just so random all the way throughout. What does the American president say See about her pipes. thighs? Pipes. See the pipes on her. Right. That's nice. a bit of a random statement. I think that's nice. an allusion to Piper's piping. Less random the first one. <laughs> Okay, so maids are milking again. We're a little bit uh, so the African women that were uh, filmed with their sort of you know their their racks of hay over their shoulders. Yeah. They could theoretically they could have been milking cows or something. Okay. Swans are swimming. Swans are swimming. I think is a metaphor here for uh, <laughs> these solitary characters that that just swim right past each other, which is Sarah and Carl, right? They uh, okay. They 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 they're these beautiful big figures that that should find love, but they just float on. Swans are known for being quite, you know, guarded and loyal to their family, and and that's what Sarah is with Michael. I feel you. Geese are laying. Right, I found out 
with a little bit of Googling that geese mate for life. And when they're laying, it's probably when they're making a home, right? When they're sort of building a home for the first time. I think this is uh, the, um, whatchamacallit, the Julie and Peter and Mark story, right? So Julie is settling down with her mate for life, but then Mark comes in is 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 struggling with that. Right, let's move on. <laughs> okay, so gold rings, five gold rings. Anyone? The gold necklace. Oh, the necklace, Anyone? yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. It's not a ring, though. But, well, <laughs> the rings... <laughs> <in there. laughs> what do you want for God? I think the calling birds, that's going to be the Colin and the fit birds that uh, he refers yeah, to makes, them as birds. that weirdly makes sense. Uh, the French hens, Jamie and Aurelia, they get together in France. Um, nice. And you see some chickens in the farm. I'm thoroughly impressed by this. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> turtle doves, right? This is slightly obscure, but turtle doves are uh, notoriously shy and actually very timid creatures because they've been overhunted. And I think that's John and Judy. They're these notoriously shy. And then finally, your partridge in a pear tree. In the original carol, partridge in a pear tree is supposed to symbolize Jesus. And it's supposed to symbolize the magic, the true magic of Christmas. And to your theory, Dom, I think that's Rowan Atkinson, yeah. who is the angel that brings it all together. Well, nice. fucking done. Oh that my God. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think they're all, they're all... A bit weak in places, they're, but... They're, 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 they're dancing well. through the illness <laughs> together. ladies are just dancing through They're just cancer. dancing through it. <laughs> Uh, that is the wildest theory we've ever had. I think it's rock solid. Actually, Interesting yeah. that you've been able to find some connection between all the storylines and that. It's very impressive. Yeah. I I believe it. It's that or the sea. Yeah. <laughs> it could be both, let's be honest. I think we've successfully <laughs> built up and taken down Love Actually. <laughs> Should we move on to Short of the Week? Yeah. So Short of the Week is a film called Brian and Charles which was directed by Jim Archer. And uh, it's a 12 minute long film that basically kind of show, it's a, I suppose it's a mockumentary, uh, which shows uh, a guy called Brian who creates a robot called Charles and they live in the sort of countryside, desolate area of England. And it's about how they get on together, what happens between them. Mm. It's a comedy with a few dramatic elements in it. What did everyone think of it? We, we mentioned this earlier, but he reminded me, his style of acting reminded me a bit of Ricky Gervais. But no, it was good. I, I thought it was funny. Um, at first, honestly, at first, I thought it was going to be like another one of these like nature docs, as in like in the <laughs> set in the in the rural countryside in Yorkshire. Like, I, I don't know. But then very quickly after the first couple of shots, you realise it's not that. But no, it was good. It's really funny. Yeah. I love it. I think it's just impressive. You don't see a lot of um, comedy shot that well. Um, it was beautiful in places. Really beautiful. Mm. Uh, attention to detail. I loved all the sound Brian, effects. Brian. Brian, Brian, Brian is Brian, just... Brian. Like, it's just brilliant. I, but I, the more I thought about it, I think it's just... I don't know. Is it a metaphor for just like any relation? It's just any relationship, isn't it? It's like a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And like Push loneliness. people away and then you yeah. want them back. You think you hate them, but actually you love them. Yeah. <laughs> it was during your lonely period. Oh, I was very lonely. Oh, I, was, <laughs> I was very lonely. Have you seen um, Derek? No. The Ricky Gervais. It doesn't, interesting it you doesn't said, look Gervais. funny. It's really good. Okay. And it's, um, it's, it's, more, it's one of the more like um, parable-y Ricky Gervais things. It's quite, it's quite moralistic. It's actually quite heartwarming. And... Is it similar to this then in, in tone? It's well, taken his character, exactly. Brian Gettings. Yeah. So uh, David Earl is like, I don't know why David Earl isn't bigger. Mm. He's hilarious. The, the main actor of this film. Yeah, yeah, the guy who plays Brian Gettings. Yeah, yeah. But he does a load of different characters. He's just super, super talented. Mm. But it's for some reason, it's that one, I think, that Ricky Gervais sort of... It's the kind of short saw. film that you could watch and kind of m- 
misunderstand how hard it is to get that kind of comedy right. Because yeah. I think it's very subtle. And yeah. it was very well edited, I thought. David Earl, is that the, the yeah. Ca- yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he plays this role in a few, and he plays it really well, the kind of mix between, because you see a sort of tragic figure and you sort of laugh at it, but then quite quickly you then sort of kind of feel quite guilty for laughing. <laughs> yeah. And you genuinely yeah, yeah. relate to this. Yeah. And he, that's, that's his character in Derek. It's his character in that, I didn't watch it, but this thing called Him and Her or something, or his and, it's like this very um, kitchen sink comedy thing of like of, of a couple in their flat and he plays this creepy neighbor as okay. he would and it's always the same sort of like slightly tragic slightly comic character thing. yeah because we watched some of other, other stuff didn't we and it's yeah it's... And he has this character called combo and he did this like fake right. vlog and the stuff on vimeo that he put out first i i honestly think it's one of the best things i've ever seen <laughs> mm. but then it got picked up and it was put on proper telly and it yeah. suddenly it just lost its magic yeah but you're right it's you're kind of at first you're with it and you're just laughing and it, it's just done so well because you're like I know this guy mm. like I've met this guy a million times yeah. blah, blah, blah. and then suddenly you get to know him more and more and then mm. yeah you just feel quite sad <laughs> I do not want to live in the hills <laughs> oh it's genuinely sad it is sad but just some of the storytelling things like sometimes it's shot through a window when they're talking mm. and sometimes it's very over the shoulder and it's I don't know it's not as mockumentary as, as other things have been um, but we all enjoyed the short by the sounds of things yeah. I thought it was yeah, quite funny and quite it's a meaty short. It's for, 12 minutes long, yeah. which is quite long for a comedy short. It's been much for me, funny. to be honest. Bit too, yeah. Well, Three minutes, four minutes. Yeah. It's too long. <laughs> Speaking of which, Love Actually is two hours, seven minutes. Oh. Well, it has got 15 stories. It's a lot of stories, David. It's a lot of screen time, David. <laughs> it is a lot, yeah. 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 Um, okay. It's Christmas. Sounds like Brian and Charles is a solid recommend from, yeah. from this here podcast. Worth mm-hmm. a watch. Uh, okay. So. That's it. We've actually love actually actually, and we've actually watched Brian and Charles. <laughs> um, so this is the last episode of 2019. Next episode year. is Monster by Patty Jenkins, and the episode after that we might do. This is news to Louis. Uh, uh, our top film of the decade. Like we might do a special one-off episode where we so not firsts. Just we break from the firsts for an episode because the fan the fans are getting tired, frankly. And uh, we we do a top film of the decade, which uh-huh. I know I know what mine is. Is this going to be released? Uh, well, wrong decade, but yeah. <laughs> is this going to be released before Christmas? No, this will be after the the monster episode with Patty this Jenkins, one. which is the first episode of twenty twenty. It'll be a retrospective sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it will be. It will give a it, so not on, the new decade, presumably not not. Well, it will be it will be released you in twenty twenty. Just imagine what the hell's yeah. coming out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, best thing of the last two months. Yeah, yeah. it will be released in twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Which but god it, damn but decade? It will, but it will be the decade of 2010 All right. to 2020. All right. Which, by the way, I'll put Julia on the spot. Oh no. What would be your top film of the decade? Oh my god, that's so hard. <laughs> Brutal. Oh well. Love actually. <laughs> Julia just left. <laughs> Jeune Femme could be up there. Yeah, Jeune Femme. Uh, do you know what? I'd say um, off the top of my head. She knows. No, Thunder Road. That's a good choice. Thunder Road, yeah, that's a good shout. What about, uh, you, what about you, Louis? It's a tricky one. I was. You should save it. Save it for the app. Yeah, I, mean, I need to think about Would that. Would it be Thunder Road? Oh god, it's so hard. The favorite. I don't know. So many yeah. good ones. It's kind of weird when you stretch it over ten years. Yeah. What was two thousand and ten? I don't remember. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll remember we'll deal with that we'll deal with that next year. <laughs> all right. Where the fuck's this fucking sign off? Um, all right. So it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Sparrow. Goodbye. And Merry Christmas. Goodbye from Louis. <laughs> and goodbye from Julia. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on, Julia.
Thank you. We'll have you on again for Uncut Gems, maybe. Which should be quite fun. That'd be fun. Don't know what we're doing here, but I'm going with it. Thank you. It's the play out. Oh, it is a lot of legs, David. Remix.